Tonight, March 24th, 2019, opening day is imminent, and we've got an hour-long season preview filled with analysis, predictions, and more. Plus, Ichiro's gone, and extension fever has gripped the baseball world. From Ann Arbor, Michigan, it's Jacob Rash. From Boston, Massachusetts, it's Johnny Rash. This is the Rashcast with Jake and John. Hi there, and welcome to the Rashcast with Jake and John, our special hour-long season preview episode. I'm Jacob. And I'm Johnny. And here we are. It's March 24th, 2019. We are four days out from real opening day, but we actually had some real baseball earlier this week. And when I say earlier, I mean really, really early, 5.35 a.m. Did you wake up for it? I did, and the second game really provided the first memorable moment of the young season and the retirement of Ichiro Suzuki. And I gotta say, that moment between Suzuki and Yusei Kikuchi was just, I mean, I, I wish that the games had been on at a normal time so that more people could have seen it. Uh, because it was, it was really, I mean, it was something. Yeah. I mean, being able to retire and then seeing your, your idol retire right in front of you is just something, it's, it was really sweet. It was a really great moment. And then you had D. Gordon, who played with Ichiro in Miami, who was there too. Um, you know, those are, and then Felix. I mean, was Felix there? Felix was there, yeah. Yeah. We had a bunch of people who've played with Ichiro for so many years being able to, for him to, to be able to retire in Japan was just a really, really great moment for, for baseball and unfortunately that most of the world slept through. Yeah, I mean, obviously you would have liked to have scripted it better with him, like his first hit in the major leagues was a single roll through the middle. You would have liked to have seen something like that for symmetry's sake. You would have liked to have seen him go, up on, go out on top. Truth is he's, he's 46 years old. I mean, he, he didn't have that in him. You could tell with his swings that he was late getting around. He didn't have the magic anymore. But uh, I mean, you could really make the argument that he didn't really have the magic for the past uh, not eight years. Yeah, but, who cares? I no. mean, he was a fun player to watch even when he wasn't playing well just because of all the things that he did, you know, all the little things and just the fact that he, he meant so much to so many people. Uh I yeah. definitely don't have any resentment towards him for sticking around as long as he did, even if it has been eight years since he's been any good. You would have liked to have seen him go out with a hit, but you can't script real life. And the moment that they did sort of arrange for him was really beautiful. I mean, just being able to go out in Japan, being able to sort of leave as Yusei Kikuchi's career was beginning, this guy who had idolized him his entire life, who had called him, it was really cute, like in all the interviews pre-game and post-game, he called him Mr. Ichiro, which I just thought was adorable. Uh, yeah, I just, I mean, it's, it's sad to see him go. It was obviously his time. He was a, a unique player, the likes of which we're never going to see again, and there aren't that many guys you can say that about. Uh, so, gonna miss that guy, gonna miss Ichiro, but I'm glad he got to go out how he did. Yeah. So that was the 
first real baseball of the year, but a lot of things happened also this year too, uh, this week um, too, mostly with extensions. I think you had Chris Sale get his extension, Justin Verlander get his extension, uh, Alex Bregman got one last week. You had a bevy of extensions signing this week, <clears throat> a lot of players who were a year away from free agency. And a lot of players who weren't. Uh, I mean, the, the guys who were a year away from free agency, Goldschmidt, Sale, but most of these guys, well, Michaelis too, but uh, and Arenado, obviously, mm-hmm. and Hicks. So a lot of those so guys. So a lot, yeah. But, uh, you know, we've seen 20 extensions uh, since, basically since the end of last season. Uh, and by and large, with the exception of maybe... Carlos Carrasco's extension, uh, they've all been pretty fair. You know, get, well, I'd also say the Nola extension and the Severino extension yeah, are pretty the, team the friendly. Yeah, the Nola extension especially. Uh, mm-hmm. Especially because he's a first-year arbitration player, and not only did he sign for four years, he's also got that player option. So he's giving up two uh, years of free agency, most likely. Uh yeah. But those were the really unfair ones. Uh, you know, everyone's talking about this Blake Snell one as super team friendly. But with $50 million for five years with no team option when he's just giving up one year of free agency is really only unfriendly to the player in the player's most ideal, perfect scenario where Snell stays healthy for all four years and pitches at a Cy Young caliber level for all those four years. Exactly. And you figure, you know, even in that best case scenario, he's only giving up, what, like $30 million? Not even. Not even. You think about it this way. He makes about, what, in pre-arb for the next two years, he'll make probably about a million, a million and a half? No, he's just pre-arb for this last year. Oh, this is the last pre-arb year? Yeah. Okay. So he gives up one year of pre-arb, so that's about $500,000. And then next year, what's what's he going to make? Let's let's hypothesize if he were on uh, arbitration, what, he'd make about $4 million, $5 million? Uh, First yeah, time hang on. Let me look up David Price because I think this is a yeah good Price would be an apt comparison. But if you add it up, and Keith really only would give up about fifteen, maybe twenty million dollars, and to have that sort of security, you know, bearing an injury or bearing you know something happening to him, you know, maybe his stuff falls off. Who knows? I doubt it's gonna that's gonna happen. But injury is more likely. Um, he's getting this guaranteed money, and so as a player. This is, I think, is a good move for him. And I think maybe more young players. I, I, the Eloy Jimenez one is a very fascinating one too. I mean, he gets he's getting a lot of money for a guy who hasn't played a single game in the majors. And a thing, a thing I find really interesting about what well, the Eloy Jimenez deal we can talk about later. But the the Bregman deal and uh, and this uh, this latest Snell deal is that. They're asking for big signing bonuses up front uh, mm-hmm. because that's that's what they really want. You know, they want to make some real money, the life-changing amount of money, as quickly as they can. Yeah. Uh, that's that's the big problem here, you know, that the big leverage that these teams have is that you, you don't get to make real life-changing money until you're for your – fourth or fifth year in the big leagues, your first or second year of arbitration, depending on how you want to, you know, see life-changing money. But with these extensions, I mean, Bregman got a a $10 million signing bonus. I think Mm -hmm. Snell got uh, $3 or $4 million, which is more than he was going to make this year. 
a lot more. He was scheduled to make uh, like $577,000. So uh, it's, it's certainly a good move from the player's perspective in terms of getting financial security out of this game as quickly as possible. And especially with the uncertainty with the strike happening, you know, you, you don't know if you're going to get paid in 2021, 2022. You know, you take that money up front and you got money now. So That's very true. You I have mean, certainty. Exactly. I mean, these contracts are still backloaded like you would expect, but not as much as previous uh, contracts have been, previous, you know, pre-arb extensions. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I think that... You know, I don't really have a problem with it from a player's perspective or from an, uh, a union perspective. You know, maybe a guy like Goldschmidt could have gotten more than five and one thirty on the open market, but you know, I wouldn't take that chance if I were him. He's thirty-two years old. Especially looking at J.D. Martinez, I think that's the most apt comp comparison. And he got five twenty-five, one twenty-five. So yeah, I mean, there there's some complicating factors there. It's the uh, the injury history that people were concerned about, the list frank thing that Martinez has, and Goldschmidt's been pretty healthy. But you know, I get it. Like, you could take you know, look at Verlander. Verlander got two years and sixty six million dollars. He set a record for uh, the most uh, the highest AAV for a starting pitcher, which you know. Yes, if he had gone on the free agent market after this year, after a season like he put up last year, uh, he probably could have gotten more, you know, maybe $5 million more a year. But it's far from guaranteed that he's going to pitch like he did last year. I mean, he's 36 years old. If he starts to fall off even a little bit this year, people are going to start raising red flags, you know, in this risk-averse environment. You know, he could see... You know, he could end up getting one-fifth of what he got out of this contract, out of the $66 million. You know, he might get a $12 million deal next year. One year, $12 million. So, you know, it, it makes total sense for him. Yeah. Uh, and the other thing I want to talk about is of the 20 extensions that have been signed this offseason, none of them have been signed by Boris Kleins. Uh and I, I can only really remember, you know, looking back on it, of the extensions that Boris clients have signed, I can remember Altuve, I can remember Jared Weaver, and I can remember Strasburg. And all of these were, were really surprising. I think that the question is, as we talk about Anthony Rendon, who's the sort of next domino to fall on this uh, extension title wave, uh, in an era where teams are being more aggressive uh, and being more risk-averse on the free agent market, call it collusion, whatever you want, is Scott Boris serving his clients' interests well by refusing to talk extension unless a player expressly asks for it? I know he's got this sort of anti-extension policy. I think that, it, I mean, for his top guys... It didn't. I mean, it hurt the timeline, but it didn't hurt the money. They both got the money that you know a lot of people expected them to get. Uh, you know, Machado and Harper. But you know, guys, middle of the pack guys. Yeah, I, I would say this is hurting his clients. 
I mean, you saw, I mean, Keuchel is still unsigned. And how do you, you know, I don't know if there, there had been extension talk, I think, of, with the Astros before he entered free agency. Um, but yeah, it's really coming to backfire for some of his mid-tier clients. Um, so maybe a guy like Rendon, who is at this point looking like the second best free agent on the market next year, you know, maybe it's not going to be an issue for him. But, you know, if I'm Rendon, I mean, Rendon doesn't really care. <laughs> He's, yeah, that's his kind of thing. But he could just leave the game of baseball right now and be happy. Just move, go to an IT job or something. Uh, yeah, he's got more than enough money to buy rocket season tickets for the rest of his life. Exactly. So I think he'll be happy. Yeah. But, I mean, if I'm Rendon, you know, I s- see what happens this offseason. I'm more willing to sign an extension. I think if I'm if I see what's happening with the free agency, I tell my I tell my agent, hey, let's work on a deal. Especially because he said publicly that Rendon has said publicly that he'd work on a deal with the Nets. I would try to work towards a deal. I don't know what the sides are offering. Um, Todd, uh, it was reported this year week by NBC Sports that the Nats have made an offer around the around the same time Arenado got extended, um, and the two sides weren't close. So. If, there has been numbers swapped, but you know you don't know what it is. We don't know what it is right now. Um, if I had to guess, I'd say Rendon is looking for something in the range, maybe in the uh, Altuve range. I mean, this is what Rosenthal said a while back, Ken Rosenthal. Uh, but I think the Nats are probably looking for something like a little bit less, I, I, assumably. Yeah, I I still think something gets done. I'm not too worried about it yet. I think if we get to May, June and nothing's done, I think I'll probably test the free agent market. But I think with a player like Rendon, he's more amenable to negotiating during April, during the season. I think he'll be fine. And I think I think something will get done and something that'll be, you know, good for both sides. There's just too much to lose for the Nats if they don't sign Rendon and lose Rendon the offseason after losing Harper. Uh, I just, I imagine it'll get done. Uh, Which actually leads us quite nicely into our next segment, which is our Nationals season preview. So I want to sort of take a different approach to this uh, in terms of a season preview. So the first thing I'm going to ask you is, Imagine it's October 2019. The Nationals have finished under 500 and missed the playoffs. Yes. You're writing the obituary for the team. What do you think has gone wrong? What I think has gone wrong? Oh, I like this. Yeah. Um, I think has gone wrong is that we lost Rendon early or just some for a big part of the year. Um, Strasburg also went down, and we never really found our footing from there. And also bullpen issues. Uh, I think those are the three, my three biggest causes of concern. Uh, I don't really see, you know, bearing an injury from Soto. I rent from Soto. I don't see, uh, you know, him regressing. I think he's as good as advertised. I think Robles is also as good as advertised. I don't. Besides, you know, Eaton and Wright, I think our outfield will be fine. Even though it's thin, I think it will be fine. Um, I think the biggest problems are going to come from a big injury. So, like a guy like Rendon, uh, 
who has dealt with injury problems throughout his minor league career, was the reason why he slipped to sixth in the draft. It's because of a foot injury. Uh, and we've gotten pretty lucky outside of 2015. Rendon hasn't missed any extended time. I don't think that Rendon is injury prone. I think that Rendon takes longer to recover from injuries. Like I don't think he's had an absurd number of injuries. It's just that whenever he gets hurt, it seems like it takes him long to recover. Like you take that foot thing that happened to him early last year when he broke the toe, and it took him twenty days. Yeah. Uh, so, but something like that, or something in the case of twenty fifteen where he gets hurt and he never finds his footing because of it. Um, where that that would do the Nats in pretty quickly, um, and yeah, Strasburg injury too. Uh, the Nats are a little bit better prepared this year. We have seven pitchers, six who I actually trust, um, but we have seven starters. Uh, it seems like Fetty's the fireman if we need someone on on short on short notice because we moved him to Double A and we put Ross in Triple A. Um, but, well, I think that's just for the time being. I think that they're trying to stretch Ross out in a way that they didn't uh, really get a chance to this spring. I think that Ross maybe post-April would be the, the next man up. Yeah. Yeah, it's possible. So, yeah. So then if a Strasburg injury happens, I could see the Nats kind of, you know, toying. Joe Ross could, could come in and feed the gap, stop gap. But also we have... You know, Jeremy Hellickson only pitched 91 innings last year. Um, we have Annabelle Sanchez, who only had one injury, but you don't, you know, he's 30. How old is Sanchez? Uh, 35. 35. I mean, this whole staff is, you know, on the wrong side of 30 outside Corbin. So And Corbin is 29. Exactly. And has had Tommy John. Exactly. Uh, so it's not like he's the picture of hell. So, you know, Helixson and Sanchez are kind of, you know, Sanchez less so, but they're both still kind of flyers. I I, I trust Sanchez a bit, but Helixson, you know, we got 90 innings out of him. There were 90 good innings besides, you know, a few. That one t- game he was sick against the Marlins. Um, but you never know with Helixson, and if Helixson's not the great that great this year and Strasburg's hurt, then I think this whole rotation falls apart. And that puts a shoulder on the bullpen, which is very thin. And a lot could go wrong with the bullpen. And so those are the things that I, I think would do us in. And those are the obvious ones, but I think those are the ones that would do us in. Yeah, I mostly agree with you. The The big problems with this team, you know, the big things you could foresee going wrong are bullpen depth, starting pitching depth, and to me, outfield depth. I think if you lose Eaton, you're really in trouble. Well, it depends uh, what just because I think. What depends what happens with Taylor and how quickly he comes back. Well, I just, I mean, we're talking about Taylor, who's maybe a half a win, one win player versus Eaton, who, if he stays healthy, is is and he looks, he looks a healthy and b he looks like himself defensively, which is a big thing. You could tell the difference between him pre-injury and him post-injury. He looked fine offensively last year. He just looked like he couldn't run or find his footing defensively. Uh, I mean, this team is thin in a lot of different places, uh, which is troubling. But, um, yeah, I see outfield depth, starting pitching depth, and relief pitching depth as the two things that could, or the three things that could sink this team. Uh, yeah. So now I'm going to flip this around, and I'm going to ask you, the Nationals have won 105 games. It's October 2nd. 
what went right? Uh, health. Unexpectedly. Uh, unexpectedly, yeah. Health is one of them. Right. Uh, I mean, that's obvious for any team that goes wins 105 games um, is that the health breaks right. But in terms of players, I think we have we could have two top five MVP candidates in Soto and Rendon. Um, I think I think yeah, Soto really comes into his own more so this year and gets the. I think he could finish top five in MVP. Uh, I think his his swing. It just. I mean, you everyone who's listening to this has seen him play baseball. Did Did you, can, you read that Fangraphs piece? I'm not. Oh, it was really interesting. Uh, it was about Soto's approach. Yeah. And essentially, he is. They they called him Ted Williams when he sees a fastball. He hits like Ted Williams when the pitch is a fastball, and he hits poorly when he sees breaking balls, but. Because he's got such a good eye, he mm-hmm. rarely ever swings at breaking balls. He just doesn't swing at them. If he identifies a breaking ball, he has something like the fifth lowest swing rate on breaking balls. Uh, and the truth about breaking balls is they're rarely, if ever, in the zone. So if you can identify a breaking ball and not swing at it and save your swings for fastballs, you can do pretty well. Uh, and so that was the interesting thing about his approach. His eye is so good that even as he's learning how to hit breaking balls, he's still, he can spit on them and yeah. he can still be successful. Yeah, that's, that's I mean, to me, the approach is what makes me know that he is legit. Because the fact that he, at 19 years old, has the approach that he did... I mean, he, he walks in key situations. He's not trigger-happy. He had five bases loaded walks last year. And that was the most in, ma- the, in the majors, most in the season since 2011. I, he's just... The the way he comes up to a, at bats, he has so much confidence that he knows what pitch, even more than, than Bryce did. The difference between Soto and Bryce is that Bryce was always kind of pitched around, pitched more carefully than Soto is. Soto That's just very true. I, I don't know if that'll change this year. Yeah. I think the, the big thing that I noticed about Bryce versus Soto is Bryce was all sort of violence and attacking. Like even when he drew walks, uh, if it makes sense, Bryce didn't look like he was up there necessarily with the kind of game plan that Soto looks like he's up there with, which isn't to say that Bryce Harper it didn't have, you know, he has a tremendous batting eye. He's, you know, obviously a fantastic player and a fantastic hitter, but uh, I don't think I've ever seen a player as young as Soto with as much of an idea of what he wants to get done at the plate in every sec- you know, specific at-bat I mean, as only, Juan Soto. The only person I can think of is Albert Pujols when he was young. Right. And, I mean, that's a high, high comp. Yeah, I mean... So... I, I, I could definitely see Soto, you know, putting I, – I could see Soto being 310, 400, 400, 500 player this year. He you was know. a 400, 500 player last year. Exactly, 292. And he was 292. So I don't uh, see why not I, I think and we with can 30 home higher. runs. Yeah. I could I – could t- in a 105 win, 90 percentile scenario where everything goes right, I could see Soto having an OPS over 1,000 and yeah. challenging for a batting title. Definitely, He's definitely just agree. That good. Yeah, I think uh, I yeah, and that so in that tenth percentile, let's say 
Toto's Soto's competing for a batting title. Um, 30 homers, 100 RBI type season. And then Rendon, very similar season too. 300, 400, 500. He's a 300, 400, 500 type guy too. He's in that way the last two years. So Yeah. So, you know, having those two play top five MVP seasons gets us that, I think, that 90 percentile. Robles having a good rookie season. I think he could win rookie of the year. I think he's the favorite right now to win rookie of the year, actually. I don't uh, know. I mean, it's between him and Alonzo, but we'll, yeah. we'll get to that when we do awards predictions. Yeah. But um, uh, so I, I think, but I think him winning, being that type and winning rookie of the year gets us to that 90 percentile and then health from our rotation. Um, you know, Strasburg stays healthy. Hellickson stays healthy. Sanchez pitches like he did last year. Uh, Scherzer, Hopefully. Corbin pitches like he did last year. Yeah, exactly. I mean, we get similar results from our rotation from from Scherzer and Sanchez and uh, Corbin as we did last year, and then we get the health from we get more than ninety innings from Hellickson and more than you know more innings from Strasburg. I think that's yeah. what gets us there. I'm not saying they have to make every start, but you know they just have to stay healthy for the majority of the year. And then our bullpen, same thing with the health. If we lose Doolittle, the bullpen falls apart. And so if the back end stays healthy, Doolittle, you know, has another season like he did last year, minus the health injury. I mean, the the injury, um, we get to that ninety percentile. Yeah. And and Bearclaw manages to cut down his walks from five and a half to you know four or a normal number that isn't ungodly terrifying. Uh, so the other question I have for you uh, is, who do you think is the most important player on the Nationals? As in, if this player, you know, with this player, so go the Nats. As the Nats go, this guy goes, I guess. Hmm. I mean, there's so many guys who are key. There's, I mean, I think it's, I think it's Strasburg. I think it's Steven Strasburg. That, that's who I'm saying is Strasburg. If Strasburg's healthy, if he's pitching well then the Nats are as good as any team in baseball. Uh, I think, you know, you have Scherzer, you have know, guys Scherzer, Rendon, Soto are the obvious picks, but if Strasburg is out there every five days, coming in back after Scherzer and before Corbin, that's just, you know, you have Scherzer, Strasburg, Corbin, those are the, the one of the best rotation you can face in a series. Um, and when Strasburg has been healthy, he's been good every time he's pitched in his career. So I think as Strasburg goes, so do the, do the Nats. If he's and, healthy and, let, and good. Let me add uh, that he's looked perfectly fine in spring. Like everything, yes. everything he throws is moving. Uh, I don't know if the velocity is going to be there. 93 to 95 I can live with uh, when you have the kind of pitches that he does. I mean, he's got three plus plus pitches he can throw for strikes. Uh, I think that's the main difference between guys like Strasburg and Scherzer. And... Uh, everyone else in the universe, the fact that they can throw right-on-right change-ups for strikes, I don't, I can't think of very many other pitchers who can do that. Yeah. And so I so I think that, you know, if Strasburg's healthy and pitching well, then the Nats will do well this year. Right. I think that's uh, kind of the, the, the beat of the Nats this year is Strasburg. And another guy I would add to that is Adam Eaton. I think that the way to avoid a 2015 Bryce Harper type situation where Juan Soto, you know, keeps hitting and has no one to drive in uh, is Adam Eaton. 
I mean, I know that yeah. Rendon is important. Obviously, Rendon is projected to be the, the second best player on this team behind Scherzer. Uh, you know, he's very important. Turner is important. But if Eaton's at the top of the lineup getting on base and Soda's doing what everyone in the universe knows he's capable of, I just I don't see a way that this lineup doesn't score a bunch of runs. Uh, I, I just... Eaton is, when he's right, a high 300s on base percentage type guy, a guy who can hit for some pop, but is mostly about gap to gap, a guy who just he gets on base, uh, and, and that's the most important thing you can ask out of a leadoff hitter. Uh, so, uh, I, uh, I guess we should transition to talking about the NL East. And yep. uh, I guess first question is, how do you have this division break, breaking out or breaking down? So right now, and I don't want to sound like a homer, but I have Nats, Philly, Atlanta, New York, Miami. I have Nats, Philly, New York, Atlanta, Miami. Mm. So should we talk about Philly, our consensus number two pick and why we don't have the number one? We'll talk about Philly. So, Philly, what's good about them? Their offense, obviously. I mean, they have they required three All Stars this lineup. They acquired two former MVPs uh, this offseason. for the and just top to bottom, that's one of the best lineups in. It's the best lineup in the NL, and hard you can argue with the argument for the best lineup in baseball. Right, and that's that's what will really make the team work this year is that lineup. Um, you know, you have Real Muto. They got Real Muto, Segura, Harper, McCutcheon. And whether or not McCutcheon's still a very viable, useful player in the major leagues. He's not 2013 Andrew McCutcheon, but he's still very, very useful in that yep. lineup. Yep. I mean, and I think Gene Segura is the type of guy I would call him their X factor. You know, the, the type of guy with, with their fortune, so go the team. You know, he, if he's getting on base at the top of the lineup for this ungodly, terrifying Hoskins, Harper, Real Mudo combination, like, I just, I don't see how that lineup isn't the best in the NL. Uh, I mean, even if you assume that, that Harper isn't going to, yeah, I, I don't know what to say about Harper. I, I imagine playing at Citizens Bank, he's going to hit a bunch of dingers. It's just a tiny park. He's always hit well there. Uh, I mean, I know that there's pressure on him coming from you know a new team, but I I just don't see him slumping. I, I have him as a top five MVP candidate. Uh, yeah, I just... I think that the one thing that's going to hold this team back, the Phillies, is basically their rotation after Nola. Uh, yes, I, I would agree with that. I think that I think that Arietta uh is probably on the decline. Uh you know, even if he's just a you know a four ERA, two win type of pitcher, league average starter, you know, that's that's not good enough behind Nola, no. as good as Nola was, because behind him they've got Nick Pavetta, who was interesting but Homer prone. Uh, and then Vince Velasquez, who, you know, A, can't be counted on health-wise, and B, is simply not that great. And then they've got, you know, Zach Eflin and uh, 
Jared Eikhoff and just uh, a whole bunch of sort of mediocre mediocrity. Yeah, a lot of quad A guys. I mean, these these they're not quad A guys. They're they're league average ish. But the the thing about this division is that there's a lot of really good starting pitching in it, and quad A isn't great no. when you're trying to contend for a title. Yeah, I, I, I 100% agree. That's I mean they they managed to I mean between David Robertson and Sir Anthony Dominguez that back end of the bullpen is going to be solid. And yeah, their biggest glaring hole is the rotation. I mean, it's it's not just the fact. I mean, they're the thing that gives me pause about you know picking the Nats over the the Phillies is the fact that the bullpen isn't just really good at the top; it's also very deep. You know, they've got Hunter, Nishek, Hector Neris, Juan Nicasio. You know, they're seven deep really with quality, viable major league arms in their bullpen, where the Nats really aren't, uh, which is something that can help cover for their lack of good, you know, going deep into games, starting pitching, uh, especially at the back end. Uh, I mean, obviously, we're, we're not talking about a Brewers-type situation, but, uh, you know, I'm, I can see a whole lot of scenarios where the Phillies are really, really good this year. But I agree. And I think that if I'm being honest, that there are more scenarios where the Phillies win the division this year than where the Nats win the division. There's more that can go wrong for the Nats than can go wrong for the Phillies. Yeah. But uh, just looking at the talent and the teams on paper without factoring in you know injuries or, or whatever, I just I have to pick the Nats. I think that they are, and and frankly. You know, projection systems agree that they're the most talented team in the division. Uh, so whether or not that translates remains to be seen, but I have to take the Nets. I agree. So let's go on to next. Let's talk about the Mets next, who you have as third, I have as fourth. Yeah. So why do you think they'll finish ahead of the Braves? Why do I think they'll finish ahead of the Braves? It's all about that starting rotation. I mean, and the bullpen. Just every pitcher that they have is so good. Uh, except I mean, Jason Vargas. But. Except Jason Vargas. They could really use another starter. But, I mean, you, you throw DeGrom, Syndergaard, if he's healthy all year, is going to be probably the best number two starter in baseball. Uh, Zach Wheeler took huge steps forward. I think this is the year that Steven Matz finally stays healthy. I mean, he's got great stuff. Uh, like I said, they could use another starter. But that bullpen... Got the best closer in baseball in it, alongside you know a top five for you know uh, setup man in Jerry's Familia. Uh, it's got two guys who can go long and cover innings in Giselman and Lugo or Gazelman and Lugo. Uh, it's got Justin Wilson in it, who's a very solid pickup for them on a two-year deal. I mean, and, and the other thing I love that they did is they have players who can cover every position. Uh, they have a ton of depth uh, positionally. They're, they're not great at any one position. But, you know, just look at, look at what they're doing over the you know, first couple games of the season when they've lost Jed Lowry and Todd Frazier, neither of whom are going to be ready. I mean, they, they plugged in Peter Alonzo, who's a possible Rookie of the Year candidate. You know, they, they moved 
Jeff McNeil, who's quite good, to third base. Uh, and they're still, you know, they've covered for those two injuries probably without losing much of anything. Uh, it's just, it's a really good team. Uh, obviously, they're the Mets, so whatever they put in the water might, you know, give all their players, like, I don't know, serious debilitating medical illnesses that cause them to miss half the season because that's what they do because they're the Mets. But, I mean, I just – I look at this team. I think that Brody Van Wagenen did a amazing job this offseason. I'm, I'm thinking top five offseason in baseball. Uh, and I just – I think, again, we're talking about on paper before injuries, but – if everything goes according to plan, I, I just see them being so good. Do you want to know why I have them fourth? Why? In the Braves third? Because they're the Mets. They are the Mets. They've that already a, lost. That's a compelling argument. I can't argue yes. with that one. It's just that they've already lost, you know, two guys to injuries this spring. And knowing how they, there's something wrong with the organizational philosophy. <laughs> with how they bring players back from injury. Because every time it happens with Strubal Cabrera, Yoannis Cespedes, some guy gets a quad injury or something happens like that, they get rushed back or they play through it and then the injury lingers throughout the season and then they miss more time. It's always been their organizational philosophy to rush players back and it's always happened year in and year out. Now with Brody Van Wagner at the helm, we might see that change a bit. We might see a shift. But until I see that shift, I'm not... I'm not completely buying it. And I'm, I'm still very iffy on the Mets. I, I, there's, their lineup is good. It's not great. It's good. That's right. I agree with that. And one of their major problems last year was scoring runs. They had great pitching last year. They had the Cy Young. Uh, and their main issue was just getting runs for him. Well, and so... But see, but the problem there was that they didn't have a very deep... They're deep... They didn't have a very deep uh, team, and they've really covered covered that. You know, I, I think that what they've done is prioritize positional flexibility, and not in one of those lip service ways. I mean, they they acquired Jed Lowry when they had all their positions covered, basically just to bounce around. They did the same thing with Jeff. You know, McNeil maybe is more like Daniel Murphy in that he can play a lot of positions and all of them poorly, uh, but. They, they have two guys that can move around the diamond. I mean, Alonzo can play third or first. Uh, it's, you know, Conforto can play all three outfield positions. They can really cover just about any injury. You know, the, the, what sunk them last year was that they had injuries and then they had nothing that they could do about them. So that's why I think, you know, this will be different. But, again, they are the Mets and... City Field could fall into a sinkhole on opening day, and I wouldn't be surprised. Yes. So now I'm going to tell you why I think that the Braves can finish third over the Mets, and it's because of one player, and it's Ronald Acuna Jr. I think that he will win. I mean, we'll get to this later, but he's very much so my pick to win the NL MVP. He is, I, the, I think the best young player this game has seen since Mike Trout. I think his swing is a thing of beauty. Uh, the, he's just an ultimate five-tool player. He's got speed, power, 
Um, you know, he he can really do it all. So I think he's what really balances out this this team. There are a lot of question marks with this rotation, and that scares me a lot with his team. And they didn't really do anything to solve that problem this offseason. Uh, they could have definitely been better. They could have been a lot better. And there's a, you know, going after that season that they just had and not adding is is hard because they're close. They're close to being a top team in the NL. But by not doing anything this offseason and for just money reasons is not going to get you to the, the epsilons of baseball. It's I not. think I think the most important player for them isn't Acuna, it's Josh Donaldson. And which Josh Donaldson we're going to see. Are we going to see MVP Josh Donaldson or barely on the field uh, adequate player when he is there, but uh, nothing special, nothing to write home about Josh Donaldson. I think you know if Josh Donaldson is a five-win player, then I, I mean this team could win the division. It, it's that tight among all four teams you know any one of them could win the division i wouldn't put any of the you know nationals phillies mets braves chances of winning the division at anything less than 15 percent uh but i just you know when your big move is going out there and signing a player who's been great but uh injured over the past two years uh then i think you, you run the risk that he's not great and instead injured. Uh, so it's, it's sort of a high-risk, high-reward proposition. Uh, yeah. And, I, I mean, they, with one more move, if they had picked up another outfielder apart from Marcakis or added a starting pitcher, they really could have been easily, they could have built on what they'd already done and possibly repeated as division champions but i just this team is you know with minter and fultonevich hurt you know obviously fultonevich is on the mend and he looks fine but you know this team's top of the rotation talent isn't very good uh the bullpen has a lot of interesting guys but uh you know it's 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 a good team again there are four good teams in the division but mm-hmm. uh i just I would pick them fourth. All right. Yeah. All right. All right. Marlins? Let's move. Uh, what do you want to say about the Marlins? They have some guys. They have some interesting guys. Brian Anderson, interesting. Uh, Anderson's good. They have he's some good. actually interesting guys. Uh, yeah. Pablo Lopez is a guy who I yes. really like. Trevor Richards, too. I think yeah. it's really interesting. I think the, the rise, we were talking about Strasburg and Scherzer, uh, as guys with right-on-right change-ups. I think Trevor Richards is really interesting in how he approaches. I mean, he doesn't have a fastball that could break a pane of glass, but that change-up is dirty, and it's it's one he can throw in all counts to any hitter uh, in any part of the zone, and there's, there's very few players who can do that. Mm-hmm. So Richards is very interesting. And, yeah. I mean, Jorge Alfaro might break out. Uh, Lewis Brinson... Might sure. break out. He's having a good spring. He had a great spring. Could happen. Uh, he's very talented. And one thing I like is that the Marlins actually added like recognizable faces to their team to fill out roster spots, like Neil Walker, Curtis Granderson, Sergio Romo. 
Uh, it's just it's nice to see because people actually know who those players are instead of random prospects who could probably give you somewhat lesser production for less cost. It's just a, a nice little gesture, I guess. Not that they're paying Curtis Granderson much of anything, but uh, at least you'll be able to recognize most, if not all, the faces on the Marlins roster. Yeah. So I think they'll be, I mean, they're not going to be good. They'll be a 60-something win play team. Well, especially but be in this interesting. division. They have to yeah. play so many games against some real good teams. But, but the, the, they have some guys to look out for. All right, let's move on to the NL Central. Uh, the NL really, Central. Another really tight, interesting. Yeah. Where anyone can contend. It's, yes. The thing that I'm finding interesting is that Everyone seems to be writing off the Cubs, and I can't really tell why. Uh, I, well, because, you know, you don't know what they're going to get from the rotation. Uh, you got Lester, who's, you know, another year older, still looks good. Uh, you don't know what you're going to get from Darvish. You, and then, who's their fifth starter? Cole Hamels. I mean, They've got a great rotation. Oh, that's right. I forgot about Cole It's Hamels. Lester, Hendricks, Quintana, Hamels, and Darvish. Okay, like, that's not, Yeah. It's that a could good work. rotation. But, you know, they... Yeah, I don't know why everyone's running off the Cubs. I changed my mind. Why is everyone running off the Cubs? I don't know. Everyone's decided they're bad now, and I can't figure out why. They're well, they bringing won 94 back games the same last team year. that won 95 games, except Darvish is on the team now. Moro is ostensibly healthy. I mean, they didn't get any worse, and they won 95 games. So, like, what's the deal? Yeah, I mean, my pick to win the Central is the Cardinals. Yeah, uh, I agree with that. I think they'll get a bounce back year from Ozuna, and then that core middle of the lineup, Carpenter, Goldschmidt, Ozuna, is the best 3, 4, 5 you could find in baseball. Yeah. And I think Jack Flaherty takes a big is going to be a stud this year, um, and the rotation will fill out. And they got... Andrew Miller, who could help with their bullpen issues that they've had for a couple of years. Possibly. So I, th- I mean, Miller was pretty bad last year, but I yeah. mean, he's still Andrew Miller. Uh, yeah. I mean, their, their rotation is the deepest in the division. Yes. Uh, you know, behind, it's Michaelis. You know, Jack Flaherty pitched really well last year. Waka, Adam Wainwright looked really good this spring. I mean, he could be back. He just hasn't been healthy, but, I mean, he might be useful at least. And yeah. then you've got... Whatever you get out of Carlos Martinez, uh, you know, he's dealing with those shoulder issues. But you know, you've got Dakota Hudson, a couple other big arms out you know, behind him. Obviously, they, they traded away some of their depth. You know, they traded away Luke Weaver. But uh, I think mean, I Goldschmidt. Yeah, you I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying it was a bad trade. It was a great trade. But they traded away some starting pitching depth. Another team that I think maybe is more interesting than we give them credit for is the Pirates. Uh, I've been going back and forth on this, but the Pirates have a very solid front four in the rotation. They do. Uh, I don't think people realize how good Trevor Williams was last year. He was very good. And and they have Jameson Tyone, who was also very good. And then uh, Chris Archer, who, you know, wasn't great last year, but certainly has the capacity to be very, very good. Uh, Joe Musgrove, and then behind that, there's not much. But then they've also got the best closer in the division and Keone Kella behind Vasquez. I mean, it's it's a good couple of guys. 
that they've yeah. got there. My problem with them is their lineup is, you know, some good and some pretty bad. They have Eric Gonzalez is going to be their starting shortstop this year. Yes. So, you know, there's their rotation might be good, but their lineup can't compete right. in this division. And then, um, I mean, you've got the Brewers, whose lineup is extremely good. And uh, bullpen can't compete. And bullpen But they have no starting pitching. None. The, the rotation. Well, actually, you know what? I've changed my mind. Brandon what? Woodruff and – so they're putting Woodruff and Burns in the rotation to start the year. They're putting – I think, well, I guess until Nelson comes back. Yeah. Um, so I think, you know, those are two guys who could be very good for them. Um, Maybe, especially, but, I mean – It's a gamble, really especially coming division. off of a – and coming off of a season like that, you want something more set, hopefully, from your rotation. At but least I think, one pitcher. I mean, exactly. their their ace, their rock is Jolie Chassin, who is is not exactly dependable. No. I know he was good last year, but like, it's not. It's not enough for me. I mean, I just I look at the rest of their team and I'm you know amazed at how good it is, except for Orlando Arcia, who they really should have invested in another shortstop, uh, and I'd also be worried about. You know, Mike Moustak is switching to second base. It's not an easy position to switch to. And no. it's not, it's definitely not, moving from third to second is not something that's done very often. But uh, they seem to think it'll work out. Uh, I mean, and then you've got this injury to Knabel, uh, which And Jeffers got hurt too. I mean, if they sign uh, Kimbrell, then that's fine. But, uh, I mean, it... They survived based on their bullpen depth, and if they're taking Woodruff and Burns and putting them in the rotation, and then, you know, Jeffress and Knable get hurt, then it's pretty much just Josh Hader standing all alone. And as much as he'd like to, I don't think they can have him pitch every single inning. No. And then um, another team that had a good offseason – Without actually spending a single dollar was the Reds. I mean, they had that big trade with the Dodgers where they gave up Bailey, but got Puig, uh, Matt Kemp, and Alex Wood. And then they also got Sonny Gray in a trade and Tanner Roark. I mean, that really filled out their rotation and their lineup. I mean, that's a lineup that can compete. And, you know, in a bubble, that rotation can't compete too. Castillo at the top and the, the rest of the guys throughout. Um my main concern is that Gray and Roark pitching in that ballpark. Uh, Gray is a fly ball pitcher. He worked wet best in the Coliseum when he was with the A's. Uh, and Great American Ballpark is a very tiny bar- ballpark. Listen, for, and, for them to succeed this season, not, not to cut you off, but for the Reds to succeed this season, they needed everything to go right. And something very, very wrong has already happened. Scooter Jeanette's going to miss That's possibly right. half the season. And they're uh, not calling up Peraza. I'm not Peraza. I mean Stencil to take his place. No, they're moving Peraza to second and starting Jose Iglesias, which is reasonable, uh, especially since they were moving Stencil to, to center, and they probably still want to do that. Uh, but I just, yeah, they have some talent. They've got guys at every position. It's not as though they're going to embarrass themselves this year, but this is a really good division, a really competitive division. So the way I have it shaking out, I have Cardinals 1, 
Cubs 2, Brewers 3, Pirates 4, Reds 5. For me, it's Cardinals 1, Brewers 2, Cubs 3, Reds 4, Pirates 5. Okay. Now on to the NL West. Um, so the, the favorite in the division is the Dodgers, obviously. Uh, they are getting Corey Seager back this year, which is big for them, even though they had Machado last year. But getting Seager back is big. Full season from Justin Turner. Uh, a lot of question marks in the rotation, though, uh, especially with the injuries already that Rich Hill and Clayton Kershaw. Kershaw won't be the opening day starter for the first time since 2010 when, do you know who it was, the last Dodger opening day starter not named Clayton Kershaw? Vincente Parilla. That is correct. So a lot of question marks surrounding the Dodgers rotation and their bullpen. I, they signed Joe Kelly this offseason, but they're still, you know, that was a big problem for them last season, and it might still be this off se- this season. Um, so it's been, a, it's been a problem with them for every single season. Yeah. Uh, so they, do you do you still have the Dodgers the favorite to win the division? They're far and away the favorites. I know that they're sort of off season of nothing and stagnation and trading away talent for cap space in an uncapped league uh, wasn't exactly inspiring of confidence. But they have three position players in Turner, Seager, and Bellinger who are really, really good. Uh, they form the core of a really, really good team. They've got A.J. Pollock, which is a, a good signing, uh, if maybe an overpay, considering the man has never been healthy. Uh, their rotation, sure, it has injury concerns, but they also have a lot of rotation depth. Uh, and I, I just I don't see anyone unseating them. I mean, it's, it's not a great division. Uh, the Rockies had a mostly middling offseason. They're the biggest challenger. Uh, I just, I don't see it happening. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I think the only team close to them this year is the Rockies, and I agree they had a middling offseason, you know, replacing LeMahieu with Murphy, and that basically being the big thing. Uh, with the Rockies, I think the rotation is still very interesting, all homegrown. And that's what really helped them last season was actually having a good rotation um, for the first time in years. And that's what made them uh, the team they were. So it's going to take a lot uh, for them to win the division. But I think, you know, their offense is always great because they're playing in course. Well, it's, and, it's great, but it's not great. Re- like, they have I, – I see their offense as their biggest concern. They have three positions in left field – center field and second base that just they're big black holes that they're relying on prospects center and field? untested guys and Ian Desmond. Desmond's yeah. playing center. They're moving uh, Blackman to right. And then what about David Dahl? Yeah, Dahl is one of the untested guys. He's playing left. Okay. Dahl has never been good in the major leagues for an extended period of time. That is true. And then they've got Ryan McMahon at second and you know, Garrett Hampson behind him, uh, you know, who's interesting. They like him, and McMahon had a couple big moments last year, but it's just, you know, their big offseason signing was Murphy, who has a Swiss cheese knee uh, and, you know, didn't hit enough last year to overcome that. I know he's playing first this year, uh, 
But to have that be your big offseason signing and to essentially get worse on paper, you know, trading LeMahieu for Murphy is probably a, a pretty big downgrade. It's just, you know, they had something to build on, and I love the Arenado extension. I think it's necessary. Uh, and in truth, the, the Rockies have never really failed to extend any of their big long-term talent. Cargo got an extension, Tulo got an extension, Helton, Walker all got extensions. Uh, so they've been good about that. But it just, they needed to do more, and they did. They did. And so that's, I mean, in the rest of the division, you know, the, the Padres got better. You know, they got Machado. But they're still about a year or two away from really competing. You know, they're close. what's interesting to me is that Projection systems don't actually hate their rotation, which I was shocked about, because I don't know who any of these people are. I mean, it's, yeah, it's Eric Eric Lauer is opening day starter. Joey Lucchese, Chris Paddock, Eric Lauer, Robbie Erlin, and Matt Strom. Uh, I mean, I do know who all of those people are vaguely. Uh, I have heard all their names, but I mean, I, I couldn't even tell you which ones are left-handed and which ones are right, other than I know Eric Lauer is left-handed and Robbie Erlin is left No, wait. It's, I know Robbie Erlin is left-handed. Yeah. Anyway, so the Padres, yeah, they, they don't have enough rotation to compete. The Giants are the, the, the Giants. Gi- my favorite stat about the Giants is that the Giants' best outfield position would still be the worst in the rest of the NL. Yeah, the Giants have no outfield, don't really have anything. I mean, have a bunch of guys on big contracts who are hurt and are not good anymore. No, so, I mean, the, the truth is their infield is solid. Longoria, the infield Crawford, is solid. Panic belt. Uh, I but mean, the rotation just, is old and hurt. Yeah. The outfield is who? And uh, okay, it's Steven Duggar. Steven Duggar, Austin Slater, and Big Mac Williamson. I thought Paro was going to start. Maybe. Maybe he'll start and left. I don't know. But Mabin was cut. They're bringing in all these randos, including Mike Yastrzemski. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, I was pretty excited about that. I mean, if he's going to get a chance to play in the major leagues, it'll probably be with the Giants. And their black hole outfield. Giant, gaping black hole. I mean, I think it's fair to say that the Giants are the second worst team in the NL this year. Yeah. I mean, the NL... Reloaded mostly, which is yeah. great, but the it's going to be. I mean, so we've got I here's how I have it breaking down. I've got Dodgers one, Rockies two, Padres three, D-backs four, and Giants five. And I agree with that. I think that's you know how it should go. Um, so you want to move on to the AL now? Yes, let's move on to the AL. So the AL East is two really really good teams, one interesting very interesting team, and then. One okay team and one oh my god so bad look away team. Dear Lord, so it's so terrible. I th- I have I, it going Yankees, Red Sox, Rays, Blue Jays, Black Hole, Orioles. Yes, giant hole, you know, leaping hole of garbage followed by the Orioles. So the the reason Replace, replacement yeah. level team Orioles exactly. So the reason why I have the Yankees finishing on top of the Red Sox this year is. Mainly because the Red, the Red Sox bullpen. It is a bunch of 
you know, middling guys who could like Brazier. Ryan Brazier is projected to be their closer at this point. I thought it was Matt Barnes. Oh, was it the name Barnes? I thought they named Barnes the closer. Okay, so Matt Barnes is projected to be their closer this year. And that does not, you know, bring a lot of inspire a lot of optimism for me. Uh, just growing, looking down their their bullpen, it's a bunch of you know guys who are not that good. And frankly, they could benefit from a guy like Craig Kimbrell, who's still available and unsigned, and that still bothers me. Um, but you, the Red Sox, you know, the lineup is still great, the rotation is still great, but this bullpen is just it might do them in. And you compare that to the Yankees, who got, who had one of the best off seasons in the AL, or, or the best. Um, they got starting pitching depth now, uh, which is being tested already. They signed Gio Gonzalez late on a freelance contract. Uh, yeah. Their bullpen has still got even better this off season. They got Adam Odovino. Uh, it is amazing. I think you could get down a list. They're, so their bullpen is Chapman, Batances, Green, Odovino, Britton, Holder, and Canley. And I think I would take every single one of those pitchers before I took anyone in the Red Sox bullpen. In the Red Sox bullpen, I would 100% agree with you on that. I think every pitcher in the Red in the Yankees bullpen is better than any pitcher on the Red Sox bullpen. So I think it's just going to be, you know, the lineups are comparable. Uh, in, if Gary Sanchez could rebound and not hit under 200 this year, that they'd, they'd be really benefit from that. LeMay, he was a, with injuries all last year. Yeah, I, I just it has to be. Yeah, and LeMay, he was a good get for the a lineup that strikes out a lot. You know, a guy who can get hits. Uh, I mean, they're they're using DJ LeMahieu, who is the most coveted second baseman on the market, as a Mark Mecklemore esque super sub. Yeah, when you can do that, you obviously have some pretty good talent. Yes, uh, and assuming that you know Judge doesn't get hurt again this year. Uh, Tulo has looked pretty good in spring. I mean, mm-hmm. and he's only there as a holdover until Gregorius gets back. Like, I mean, the, the rotation is seven guys deep. Uh, really eight you know, guys. Even, e- yeah, I mean, even behind the the five starters and, and Geo, they've got Loisica and Domingo Herman. Like, that's... Better rotation depth than most teams have. Exactly. Those those guys could probably start on like half the teams in baseball. Uh, I mean, it's it's a. I I would agree with you. I think the Yankees are the best team in that division. Uh, I think the Red Sox are going to be very good. I, I just, I mean, with the Yankees bullpen, with their starting pitching being almost as good as the Red Sox. And, you know, really having the same – I see the bullpen like you as the tiebreaker. And it, it's a big tiebreaker in favor of the Yankees. Yeah. So next we got the Rays, who are smoke and mirrors to 92 wins last year. Uh, 90. 90? 90 that's right. Um, 1972. I, I don't know how they did it. I mean, they had a Cy Young winner, and that was their only starting pitcher. Uh I mean, now they and have now, now they have, have Snell, they have Morton, pitchers. they have Glass now, so they have three starting pitchers. And soon they'll have. I, I don't know how much longer they're going to need the opener. You know, yeah. by mid-May or late May, Honeywell and De Leon will be back. They'll have a full rotation. Mm-hmm. So you know, it, the funny thing to me is the only reason they went with the opener is because they just didn't have enough starting pitching, and you know, it wasn't. 
it wasn't a huge advantage for them. You know, everyone looks at their their pitching numbers after the opener came into play and how much they drastically improved. It wasn't because of that. It was because Blake Snell all of a sudden decided to become Bob Gibson. So, uh, could they do it again? Sure. I don't see why not. They're, yeah. they're a better team than they were last year. Uh, I, I like what they did, you know, in September trading for fam. I think that's, or August, I guess, or July, whenever they traded for fam. Yeah. Uh, I think, uh, they, I mean, they're interesting. The problem is that they play in a division with two of the best teams in baseball. I could totally see them winning the second wild card because no one wants to win the second wild card right now. But, uh, I mean, in a one-game playoff with Chris Sale. Yeah, well, Blake Snell. Yeah. I don't know. It'll be interesting. It'll be interesting. And then the rest of the division, you got the Blue Jays, yeah. who I don't really feel like talking about. And then you have the Orioles. I mean, so this is my projection for the Orioles. Just real quick, I think they're going to finish the worst team in baseball. Ever. They could totally Ever. finish. They could lose 121 games. I would, would not, not be surprised. surprised. They 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 were close last year with half a season of man with Chad and Jonathan Scope. I mean, you you expect Alex Cobb to pitch better now that he has a full spring. But I I just they're just so bad. They're so they're, bad. The I mean, Renato Nunez is projected to be the second best position player on their team. I don't know who that is. <laughs> he could he could be anyone. Yes, he uh, could be you. He could be me. We are all Renato Nunez. And then there's, I mean, it's just it's just bad. It's just no one worth talking about. They're so bad, and they have no real prospects for the future right now. Obviously, they they'll have the first pick in the draft, and they'll get prospects. But like It'll right now, years. it's Ryan Mountcastle and Yusniel Diaz, who is interesting and. A whole bunch of crap. Yeah. Um, so moving on to the Central. This is an interesting division only because nobody wants to win it. Nope. Uh, like like I said yesterday, uh, the best case scenario for me is that the Indians finish under 500. The worst case scenario for me is that the Indians finish under 500 and win the Central. Yeah. And so, I could kind of see that happening. It could very well happen. Another interesting wrinkle today Jose Ramirez went down with a knee injury, getting x-rays on that, not sure, but he had to get carted off the field. Not a great sign for the team that already is missing Lindor to start the season uh, and now, Kipnis. Uh, now, I've, I've been to a, uh, an Indians game where Jose Ramirez went down in a heap, had to be like grabbed off of the, the team, or had to be grabbed off the field, and then all of a sudden was in the lineup the next day. Uh, so he that, that does happen. But uh, the point is, they have two good position players. Yes. It's Ramirez and Lindor, and everyone else is terrible. Yep. And uh, they're, they're, they lost, they traded away Jan Gomes this offseason. They lost um, Brantley and left. So I, I have a full list of the team, of the players that they lost, and I think it's very funny. So I'm going to read it aloud Cody Allen, Michael Brantley, Andrew Miller, Josh Donaldson, Brandon Geyer. Eric Gonzalez, Jan Gomes, Yandy Diaz, Edwin Encarnacion, Yonder Alonso, and Melky Cabrera, all of whom are starting for their new teams, except Geyer. So yeah. discount Geyer. But all the rest of those players are all starting for their teams. Like, you could make 
a pretty good core of a team with just those players. Yep. And so, I mean, they're betting on the division being so bad that they could trade away all their guys and lose all those guys and still win it. And you know what? They and might be right. It's it's not a bad bet. I it's mean, not. The Twins, the Twins have a bunch of adequate players, but no one really extraordinary. I mean, uh, what it will take for the Twins to win this division is Barrios coming over and taking the next step um, yes. as a starter. And Buxton and Sano both doing the same thing. Although Sano's already hurt. So. Yeah. So, and, you know, the rest of the lineup playing like they can, I, it, it's going to be a, be a lot for them. I mean, it shouldn't be a lot for them to win the division. Look, look, at, look at the Indians' pitching staff. I mean, it's, it's that's, really That's good. the thing. That's what's going to hold the Indians Carrasco, together. Bauer, and then Shane Bieber and Mike Clevenger. It's a, it's a great pitching it's staff. It's a fantastic pitching staff. Yeah. And that's what's going to win the Indians' division. Not their lineup, it's their pitching. But that's not going to nope. win playoff games. Um, nope. Yeah. And then there is literally nothing else in that division that's worth talking nope. about. Nope. The White Sox, I, the Royals, and Tigers all are the same team to me in my eyes. Yes. Uh, the Royals, I actually have finishing third in the division. I've got Indians, sure. Twins, Royals, White Sox, Tigers, because uh, Adalberto Mondesi is pretty interesting. And they've got Whit, Whit Merrifield. Uh, and basically they have, you know, apart from Eloy, uh, who's, you know, it's awesome that he's going to be in the big leagues from day one. I think he's my pick to win the rookie of the year just because we don't know when we'll see uh, Vlad Jr. He might miss a whole month. And, I mean, Jimenez is probably not as good on talent as Guerrero is, but he's going to play the whole season. We'll talk about this uh, in a little bit. Yeah, we'll talk about this later. Yeah. But, uh, so... so Let's go on to the on to West. Final division. This is another division where only one, one team wants to win. Very good, clear division favorite, and then it. it so I don't want to say that the. It's a division where you pretty much know how the teams are going to stand uh, from day one. It's Astros one, A's two, and then it doesn't matter. Well, you know the, you know the Angels do have Mike Trout. Yes, they do. So they could. Their you know. rotation is also Trevor Trevor Cahill is the most. So I think the the funniest thing to me, the thing that's most emblematic of the Mike Trout era in uh, Los Angeles, is that the day the Mike Trout extension was announced, it was also announced that Trevor Cahill was either opening day starting pitcher. Yep. Like, just that's their team. It's Mike Trout and a bunch of guys. Uh, Albert Pujols sucking up uh, space on their contract ledgers. I mean, I, I like what they did this offseason. I think if Harvey bounces back, and he, he might be able to, who knows, it's a good signing. Cahill was pretty good last year. Uh, then you've got you know Cody Allen. It's an interesting signing. Uh, but it's not going to be anywhere close to enough. No. I mean, it could be even, enough for the second wild card. Who knows? Well, yeah, because no one wants to win the second wild card. But, like, if they were going to have any chance, they needed Skaggs and Heaney to stay healthy, and they both have already died. So it just it's just not a good team. Uh, it's a good couple players in Otani, Simmons, and Trout. Like, it, 
it's miles ahead of anyone in the Central, uh, apart from the Indians, but it's not a good team. Uh, the Astros are, you know, same team, really. I mean, they got Brantley this year. They lost a few starters, but, uh, you know, the core of the team is the same. It's always been. Yeah, and I, I'd be concerned about their starting pitching depth, except that behind the front five they have, they've got Forrest Whitley, who's probably the best uh, pitching prospect in baseball. And they have even Josh if that James. doesn't work out, they, well, James is going to be in the rotation. Oh, he is? No, I thought Miley and Peacock would fill it out. Oh, they're putting Peacock in the rotation? I think so. Well, if they're doing that, then yeah, James won't be in it. But uh, they've got Peacock, they've got James, they've got Whitley. I mean... They have depth. They're, I mean, they're good. They're, they're good. good. They're a very good team. Yeah. Um, the lineup is still very good. The bullpen is still very good. They're they're. I mean, them and the Yankees are the most well-rounded teams in baseball. It's true. I mean, they're they're bullpen. Ozuna, Presley, Harris, great uh, rotation. You know, Verlander, who's now going to be there for the next two years. Beyond this, the outfield is good. The infield is phenomenal. It's probably the, the best infield in baseball. I mean, Altuve, Correa, Bregman. And they also have uh, Cal Tucker, who, who is one of the top prospects in baseball. Yep. So they're, they're, I mean, they're set. And they're... then the, the A's, the problem with them is their rotation. I mean, it's a good mm-hmm. team. Obviously, losing Olsen hurts because they're going to lose yeah. him for a couple months. And when he comes back... You don't know how you're gonna, you know, play off of a handmade injury, but uh, the big problem is that rotation, uh, and the fact that the one, you know, shining light in that rotation possibly was gonna be Jesus Luzardo, and he's already gonna be out six weeks with a shoulder issue. So there's no one coming to save them in the bullpen or in the in the rotation. It's Fires Estrada, and a whole bunch of crap. Frankie Montas is in there. It's kind of interesting. I don't know. It's just they're a small market team who's always spent like it. Uh, not that Oakland is a particularly small market, but they've always spent like a small market team. Uh, and they just they didn't go out and fix the gaping hole that was their rotation. And I just I don't see. I mean, I know their bullpen's great, but. I just don't see it. I mean, they could win that second wild card because no one wants to win it, but they're not that good team. Yep. So let's go on. I mean, the, the Rangers and Mariners or whatever. So yeah, let's. I, I let's, have Rangers over Mariners, but it doesn't matter. Yeah. So let's move on to predictions, uh, season predictions. So let's go. We have division winners. We went through. We I think we have very similar division winners. Uh, Nationals, yeah. Brewers, Dodgers. No, Nationals, Cardinals, Dodgers, uh, in the NL, Yankees, Indians, Astros, and the AL. So, who are your wild card picks? Picks for the my NL? wild card picks are. Let's go both divisions, NL, AL. Okay, so my this is tough, uh, but I think NL is very tough. The NL, I couldn't decide whether or not to have two NL East teams or an NL East and an NL Central team. But I'm going to say the wild card game is Phillies-Cubs. And I have it as Phillies-Rockies. I think the Phillies Rockies, Rockies, I think the, the, the tight races will only diminish the team's win-loss record in the other divisions, and the Rockies will take advantage of playing in the easier division and get enough wins to make the wild card. 
a fair argument. Yeah, so Phillies, Rockies in the NL, and then the AL, who do you have? In the AL, I I guess I have Red Sox. No, you know what? I'm going to do Red Sox Rays. That's what I'm going to do. Red Sox Rays? I have Red Sox Angels. I think enough goes right for them. They squeak into the second wild card. I'd love to see it. I want to see Mike Trout play in a game that people actually watch, but and I just... probably lose it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Poor Mike. So, do you want to do World Series picks at this point? Yeah. I don't think we need to go through all the divisions, uh, yep. division victories and all that, but I'm going to say that the World Series is... I'm going to do Yankees over Dodgers. Yankees over Dodgers. I have Yankees over Cardinals. be interesting okay. if it's... Dodgers again losing to the third best AL. The Dodgers team. have the easiest path to the division, uh, and I think that matters a lot. I think mm. that, you know, when you're predicting, I'd say that the Dodgers, even if they're not the best team, because they have the easiest time getting to the playoffs, have the highest odds of getting a World Series. Yeah, very possible. Team. Yeah. And then, um, you want to do awards predictions? Awards predictions. So, in the National League, the MVP race, I have it going to one Bryson Old R. Harper, unfortunately. Well, I I have it staying in the division and going to Ronald Acuna, I think. Yeah, I think both the NL uh, MVP and Cy Youngs will come out of the NL East. I think most of the, yeah. I have four of the top five in the NL uh, MVP race coming from the NL East. And, yeah, the top two pitchers from the Cy Young. I have I have all the awards going to the NL East. NL yeah. MVP, NL Cy Young, NL Rookie of the Year, NL yeah. Relief Man of the Year going to Edwin Diaz. Ooh, I have Sir Anthony. Really? I think he's going to take the next step this year and become the best closer in baseball. Well, I mean – He's got the same stuff as Diaz, who's already that guy. So I'm going to take my chances with Edwin Diaz. But uh, uh, who do you have at Cy, Cy Young? Young? Max Scherzer. Yeah. So, until until proven he dies. Otherwise, I'm going to go with Max Scherzer. I agree with that. I think he had his best season last year. You know, didn't win it because DeGrom had a better season. But yeah, it's Max, Max Scherzer's award to lose. And then Rookie of the Year, I assume we have the same winner. No, you have Robles. I have Peter Alonso. That's right. I have Robles winning it. I think he, um, you know, has a fantastic season. I really think Sterling Marte comped his aft, um, and I think he'll play very well. I've been surprised with the amount of power he's shown in his yeah. training. I mean, I have too. it's it's not just gap power. He can hit the ball over the fence. Yeah. Uh, okay, so the AL AL Cy Young Award. Do you want to talk about Alonso a little bit? Okay, let's talk about Peter Alonso. He's got tons of power. Uh, everything I've seen in spring training, I've been amazed by. I think if he gets regular playing time, and I think it's going to be a Cody Bellinger type situation where he unseats the incumbent while he's hurt, uh, and then just plays so well that they can't send him down. I mean, I know that it's not like Bellinger because Bellinger is unique in the way that he can play basically every outfield position in addition to first base. Uh, Alonso is positionally challenged. Uh, but I just, I could see him hitting 30 home runs this year and being uh, everything that people think he is. Yeah. 
All right, let's move on to the AL. Um, AL MVP, who's your bet? AL MVP. I, I mean, I, I don't know who else to pick but Mike Trout. Yeah, um, especially with me having them going to the playoffs, I think Trout, you know, will be the reason that they do that. Kind of have right. to pick Trout to win the MVP. Yes. Uh, the AL Cy Young Award, uh, I mean, I'm going to go with Justin Verlander. I'm going to go with the internet's least favorite player, Trevor Bauer. No! I'm sorry. He's very good. Yeah, I know he's good. Yeah. But that doesn't mean that I want him to have good things happen to him. <laughs> yeah, I'm going I'm going Bauer this year. I think, you know, he's just he's very, very good at pitching baseball. And very, very socially inept. Yes, but not just socially inept. He's also a terrible person. Yes. But that doesn't matter. It doesn't uh, knowing matter. him, he'll probably somehow find this podcast that's listened to by like sixty people and just and harass us for days. Yeah. Well, uh-huh. I mean, I, I said he's going to win the Cy Young, so <laughs> that's true. I don't know how I'll respond to this, but all uh-huh. press is good press. Exactly. Uh, and AL Rookie of the Year, I've uh, I've got Eloy Jimenez. I'm going to play a little bit contrarian to everything. I'm going to say Shane Bieber. Shane Bieber. Did yes. Shane Bieber pitch not enough innings to lose his rookie eligibility? I don't think he did. I, I, I think he's still eligible. Um, let me check, because if not, then I will be wrong, and I will change my pick to Vlad. But Which is a more fun pick anyway. Yeah. Shane he might Bieber. Have. Yeah, he lost his uh, rookie yes, eligibility last year. he exceeded his rookie eligibility. That's yeah. what I so I'm changing my pick to Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Okay. That's yes. much more interesting. Yes. So, I think we're running a little long, and by a little bit I mean 25 minutes long. Um, But I hope you enjoyed this episode. I hope maybe our predictions will be right. Uh, Let us know at the end of the season if they are. Uh, And we will be in happy baseball. It's opening day Thursday. Yeah, enjoy it. Uh, Definitely, if you have plans, if you can... uh, you know, skip out of work, do that. Opening day should be a national holiday. It should be. Uh, and make sure you watch the game because it's nothing more fun than the promise of, of 162 games on the first day before you, you know, sort of get back into the rhythms of the baseball season and realize, oh, God, this is so long. It's an interminable slog. So, uh you know, enjoy opening day for what it is. And yeah. uh, I and we'll, hope you've had fun. And we'll talk to you next Sunday with actual baseball to talk about. That's right. See All you right. next Sunday, folks. See you next Sunday.